Hey everybody, it's the Shea Anything Podcast, back for another edition, Andy Martino, Hi. back in studio. You know was what's I funny? gone? Yeah, you were gone last week. Oh, I took a vacation, but I was, I, I was a working vacation. I was hard on you last week. Because, really? Yeah, because I said, I was like, Nelson, who, by the way, every week that Nelson's, you're not here, Nelson is, nice, is enough, nice enough to come in and fill in for you. It's never difficult. All you have to do is ask, and he comes and he does Can it. Can I just so, say that we him. like working with Nelson? He's so easy He's so flexible and stuff like that. Yeah. If we didn't have him around when I was doing this or that, it would be much harder. And and not everybody is flexible like that. But he's nope. just like so game to do whatever. But anyway, so I said, Nelson, uh, answer me this: like, how is it that Andy doesn't have ten minutes to call into his own podcast, but has time to rip me on Twitter? When did I rip you on Twitter? Well, no, you were not rip me. You were. Uh, I, I don't know. I you were jabbing me on Twitter. I don't know what you mean. What did I do? I posted a photo from. Oh uh, no! I was following someone else who did it. Sam Pepper. Who no, used to Jim be, Doherty. That's right, Jim. Do- it felt like a Sam Pepper. Yeah. Now we're getting really inside baseball for our listeners. By the way, if you. Hear- what did you say that you were honored to do something, and I said I'm honored as well. I was. I was honored. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it, on on the surface, the optics are. Look, when you're, I was taking a writing vacation. I'm working on a book. And I was, so I was hardcore into writing, and I was off the Mets Yankees news cycle for one week out of my stinking year. And that's you, as you well know, it's one thing to make a pithy comment when you check Twitter real quick. Uh-huh. Another thing to call into a podcast to get that mindset. I just quickly before we you- get more into this, if you hear some odd noises during this podcast, it is not because we are passing gas or physically ill. It is because they are breaking down the set of a television show outside of our studio. Is it? Um, is it? Are they transitioning from DNL to the thread? That, that is, is not that what's, what's going on. Uh, Isn't no, the thread is being a, rehearsed today? There is an HBO show called Succession. That uh, oh, that's a good show. It's a very. Good am show. I going to see the Succession actors today? Um, no, they've been doing a lot of studio stuff. I'm not going to give away anything. I don't want to like get sued. But they've been doing a lot of. You know how there's a TV network in that show? Yes, and they do it here. That's so right. they've been doing a lot of the TV awesome show. show. Yeah, it's a great show. One anyway. thing we can say, because no, I want to say this is a good little tidbit about Succession. If you've watched that show, there's a scene where the great actor Brian Cox pees in his office. Mm-hmm. We're pretty sure that's Kirk Gowdy Jr.'s office. Uh, I don't think it Kurt was thinks Kirk it Gowdy. Was. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. That's our boss for anyone who doesn't know. So you have basically had the weekend of... Colin Firth in Love Actually, or the week of... Yes, yeah, so you yes. Were, and you there was a, there was did a you have an Aurelia? Uh, yes, I did. You there was a beautiful a, woman. What country was that? Um, it was I like Portugal remember. or something? She was Portuguese, but I don't remember if they were in Portugal. I'm taking the language class right now. <laughs> and I'm going to make Aurelia. my big entrance to the restaurant. Uh, that's one of my favorite In the holidays. Um, that is so arts. dumb. Oh, my God. I watched Love Actually, don't get me wrong. But do you realize how shallow that storyline is? That they, they, fall in they love just with think him. each other's hot, so therefore they're like they're a connection for life. They don't even know oh, each yeah, other. Come on, don't be such a cynic. That's what it was. People fall in love in all different. And by the way, ways. the Laura Linney character with that hot guy from The Office it also was strictly physical. So if there was like there's this pretense that love actually is about love, but it's just about thinking people are hot. No, no, no. You're, you're no, no, no. And then the Kara Knightley thing. It's the same thing. You, you right. know this best man guy. And you're attracted to each other. The, the, the whole thing you, is about you, being hot. You have no idea whether they know each other. 
Before the movie starts, you don't see any interactions. No, those, they, you're not they make there. it like they hardly have talked. No, no, no. Uh, Laura Linney and the guy from The Office had worked together for you don't know how long. Mm-hmm. Kira Knightley and her husband's best friend, they've probably known each other for year, years. You're, you're it wrong. It should here. be called You're Hot, I watch, Actually. I watch, I watch Love Actually. It's a tradition with my family every year yeah. around Christmas time. So I know this movie like the back of my hand. Yeah, I know it well uh, also. You're wrong. So anyway, let's talk Mets. Uh, that's the point of this You learned podcast. that move from me, by the way. Yeah, that's true. Just say you're wrong, move on, so that someone doesn't have uh, time to mm-hmm. rebut it. We talked on Baseball Night in New York last night about the Dom Smith-Pete Alonzo thing because, correct me if I'm wrong, Mickey Callaway spoke with the media, said uh, basically they're going to look at each day with potentially Pete Alonso and Dom Smith yeah. on the big league roster and see who plays. And you basically heard from a source that – that exact thing was going to happen, and it happened I, in the same day. The Mets have not made any roster decisions yet, other than the obvious one. The roster competitions have not been totally settled yet. But my indication is that Alonzo and Smith will have a very good chance to break camp with the team. So how do you think... I guess the big-picture takeaway from that, in my opinion, was if I'm Dom Smith, I'm thinking, oh, no, not again. Sure. Uh, because... Last year stunted his growth. He's done nothing but work hard and play well this spring and apparently this offseason as well. And here he is looking at the possibility of sitting on the bench three or four days a week again at the big league level. So assuming outfield's out of the equation, Mm -hmm. how does the Mets organization do this knowing that it could be stunting Dom Smith's growth again? Oh, man, I just think that they're at the point where they're thinking of it a little differently and they're surprised a little bit, pleasantly surprised that Smith has reemerged as a factor and they just want to send the message that the best 25 guys go north because it's a meritocracy. So Smith is one of those guys. That's probably, I think you're making a good point about messing with him again. He's earned the job. It's a no-brainer to give him the job at least for a couple of weeks because of all this service time stuff that I don't really want to get into right now. It's like we've talked so much about that. Right. The MLB makes you, because of their complex rules, talk about boring stuff like, so much. It's true. But so anyway, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know about the service time thing. So And I'm saying like Smith, you're right. It's, it's a weird situation. It's a good, bad thing. They've got two potentially legit first basemen in Ike Davis and Lucas Duda. I mean, Dom Smith and Pete Alonso, and they have to figure out how it shakes out. Uh, stay with me on this point. John Harper, our colleague, keeps saying on the show that Brody has to, well, not has to, but it's Brody's word here that's on the line because Brody said 25 yes. best players. Brody took Pete Alonso out to dinner. Uh, Which so is weird. if. If Alonzo doesn't make the team, then Brody's word doesn't mean what we thought it did. Harp's column, cue the animation, mm-hmm. is waiting in the winds, right? So, like, that column will get written that, that Brody by uh, uh, Harp and anybody else, that Brody said one thing and, di- and did another. Yeah. If Brody doesn't bring Pete Alonzo up after camp, do you think that he is factoring the potential backlash in because of what he said back when he first got the job. Maybe a little as a human being it would be natural, but I truly believe that he believes in looking at this differently than I'm looking at it, which is, hello, service time, what are you, what are you doing? But Brody sees himself as a potential bridge between some of these conflicted issues of 
between labor and management because he's been on both sides. And he's just looking at this like, let's be an organization that takes care of its players who succeed. Let's make this a culture-building moment to let Alonzo get on the team uh, because he's earned it. It would have been, in some ways, awesome if Alonzo had just gone ahead and hit 200 in spring training. But he didn't. And he's earned a spot on a major league roster. You honestly can make a really fair argument that he's not major league ready defensively. But he's hitting so much that, that Brody will likely put him on the team, not because he's going to get ripped if he doesn't, but because he believes that Alonzo belongs on the team. So if you believe you could make the argument that he's not ready defensively, why don't the Mets just make that argument? Because, like, that's a great question. We watch him at the plate and we focus really hard. Oh, you're asking a good question. When he's in the field, maybe we pay less close attention. The Mets could say, hey, we're paying really close attention to how he's playing in the field and he's not ready. We are smarter than you. We see this I guess it's just the fact that he's the second best hitter to Robbie Cano. No, I I agree with that. So it just outweighs that. And they don't, Brody doesn't want to make that his issue. Like, because this actually, the reason why that was such a good follow-up, Doug, is because now you're actually making me realize that some of this is probably about perception too because if Brody legitimately says we think Pete Alonso needs to work on his defense the whole world goes oh that's bold you know that that the, you it's just an excuse like the whole Vlad Guerrero Jr. thing that they keep saying he's not major league ready it'll be interpreted like that Alonso may well need more seasoning defensively but uh, Brody just doesn't want the, he want he wants the reality and the perception of his organization to be that if you hit 370 with four home runs or whatever it is at the moment in spring training, you're a big leaguer. I guess if Brody came out and said, look, I know this is going to come off like an excuse, but we are going to keep Pete Alonso down because defensively we believe at first base he could be a liability. Uh, this metric says this. This metric says this. Dom Smith is good defensively. Um, it just makes sense. We don't think he's defensively ready. I think that you know how national writers have, and, and rightly so, gotten on the Blue Jays for not bringing Vlad Jr. up? Don't you yeah. think that, that somebody, and I'm, his name's just at the top of, my, top of my head, Keith Law would say, yeah, from what I've seen, Pete Alonso is not good defensively. This uh, makes sense. Well, Keith, like I it's an it's a aspect of Pete Alonso's game that if you're going to hold him back, okay, like, yeah, he's so probably much, not great defensively. It's hard to wade through the reactions to this stuff. I, I've been in and on Twitter a little bit. Like, and I had a little interaction with Keith Law last week, actually, while I was not doing this podcast, which was, like, he was saying, like, service time manipulation is bad. But, and I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I, it's, a, it's bad at, in the big picture, but, like, a team doing it under the current system, to me, is just playing by the rules that right. are established. Um, but he was saying, Keith was saying that, and he was saying also in response to some Met fan in that thread that there's no, it's definitely no sure thing that Alonzo's, overall better player than Smith or will have a better career. So there's just a lot going on here. So Brody, you know, like there's a lot of different ways. Like it depends on your frame of reference. If you're like a super like labor focused baseball fan, you'd be like, this is highway robbery of his service time or like, it's just like, there's going to be someone angry no matter what you do. 100% But but the the way for the, probably the least amount of people to be angry is to just put him on the team. But, your accountants might be angry. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I, I'm curious to know if you felt the same way about this issue. Twitter's always angry about anything. Right. But 
they're angry about both sides of this. There are people that are like, how, it'd be how would you to put ever him call him up? It's 11 games. Because right. there, there are a certain portion of fans who look down the line and think we're going to be really annoyed when we don't have him. Yeah, look at the control. DeGrom. Imagine if you only had DeGrom for this year instead of the right. next two. These things, you know, I mean, maybe maybe what they're counting on is that I mean, between climate change and the rise of white nationalism in the world, that there won't be a six years from now. Uh, I don't think that that's what's occurring to people in, in your mentions. I actually, I, no, I'm talking about the Mets. Maybe, maybe Brody knows that the world, like basically like civilization won't hold for the duration of time it'll take uh, Pete Alonso to be a free agent. I wonder if that's why everyone's signing long-term deals. They just think the world's going to end. Get, get, all, get your money all, now. I'm thinking of the Colts in w- <laughs> Parks and Recreation that all that just think the world's going to end at, right. a, a certain day every year. So I will say... I'd make as much money as I could before that. On an actual reporting note, I did ask the Mets, uh, Mets, Mets people recently, like, are you assuming... I said, am I missing the fact that because the new CBA will come up in between now and Alonzo's free agency, are we assuming that there'll be different rules anyway? And I was told, no, we can't assume that because who knows what the new rules would be. So I did have that thought, but no. Let's talk about... You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Because there's a... Wow, there's some odd noise happening Some kind of crackly thing, if you guys heard that. Again, succession. Um... There are a lot of rules that might happen, which has got to make this a weird time to be navigating as a front office when mm-hmm. you might have Robbie Cano DHing in a yeah. year or two years. You know, so you have to make moves. Maybe reading the tea leaves, but yeah. it should be illegal to know what rule is going to be. It, le- it's not that it's even illegal; it's that we really don't know. Okay. They don't. There's really very hard to predict. There's so much up in the air. So a team cannot operate assuming a, a rule change right now, in any DH or otherwise. Uh, backup catcher, which seems like a boring topic and may bore some of you, I guess, but I doubt it. My Do- story on this did 11,000 page views yesterday, which Seriously? is pretty decent. For okay. not a I'm huge, glad to know that. Not a huge play, but not bad for a backup third string yeah. catcher story. I think if it were, <laughs> if it were Ramos and two... Two journeyman backup catchers, it would be like, oh, mm-hmm. it's just another race in camp. Darno is a name Darno is, yeah, guy who's been in this organization for a long time. Mezzarocco is the guy that DeGrom seems to love. Um, I have thought all along that they just have all three and make it work with the roster. You're saying, according to your reporting, that well, that's po- not going to I guess, suppose that's possible. I didn't ask that exact question. I'm not good at roster projection. There's plenty of people out there who are like really good at being like, here's the 25 as of today. Here's, I don't know. All I know is I ask sources questions. And, and, and I didn't ask about three catchers, but I asked about, um, well, well, I just noticed, that, like, well, I know you guys really like Tomas Nito. I mean, I, way before they signed Mezzarocco, I, I've been hearing, like, Nito is our backup catcher of the future. And so I'm like, well, he's still in camp. Could he make the team? And yeah, he really could make the team. So everyone's looking in one direction at Darno and Mezzarocco and forgetting about Nito, who they like long-term more than either of them. Uh, Darno, however, has really put himself in position to, to be in the mix, and I believe that he will be on probably, probably on the injured list at the beginning of the year, not definitely. And then uh, shortly after, I think most of the season will be Ram- Ramos. <laughs> for those, for our loyal You listeners. say Jimenez and uh, Ramos. Ramos. Well, we'll get it fixed. Ramos, like- Ramos and Darno will be the catching tandem, health uh, permitting for most of this season. 
And I, I, I love the phrase backup catcher of the future because it's both glamorous <laughs> and unglamorous. That's um, a good point. He is someone who's under control for a lot of years, and his Adam Fisher was talking about on the show yesterday, his defensive skills are fairly elite. Yeah. Uh, people don't remember. Adam did a good job reminding us Travis uh, Darno's framing skills are elite, which is a really big deal. People always think about how he's got a noodle arm, but his framing skills. Well, the, the problem is the noodle arm's important when you've got a power Noah pitching Sin staff and, and Noah, Noah Syndergaard and DeGrom and Wheeler. Yeah, he's not a perfect Mats. defender, but he's not just an offensive player, and people think he is. What's funny is when I just said they'd carry all three catchers on the roster, I wasn't even talking about Nito, which is why I think your, yeah, up there your the story chair. got so many page views yesterday because this is a fourth catcher that I'm not sure people have been thinking about, and... So he's going to leapfrog Darno and Mezzarocco. Well, so, only because of Darno's injury. Well, situation. so do you think Darno really can't make the big league roster, or do you think they're just going to use that as an excuse to give him more time because they have well, four catchers? Like, do you really? No, think I he, think. Look, he hasn't. He's got 16 at great for league at bats. Uh, he hasn't caught back to back yet, unless he's going to do it today. He's right there and trying to figure out how to te- uh, catch if he can catch back to back. They need a guy who can catch one day, and then uh, let's say you pinch run for Ramos. He needs, then he comes in in the sixth inning. They're going to need their backup catcher a lot. Ramos is a guy, yeah. I'm told, is going to be pinch run for fairly early in the game a lot. So that's backup catcher is really important. So Darno needs to be able to play day after day as a backup. Um, so he's truly not necessarily quite there. And recovery, rehab-wise. The problem, the problem with having your like cleanup hitter be a catcher is you bench him a lot, and it's good to have a backup catcher with some offense. So when you, yes. when Ramos is out of the game, you put Darno in, you don't miss a ton offensively, which is good. That's a good thing when you're yeah. relying on your starting catcher to drive in runs. Um, you had some uh, the latest on the DeGrom extension conversation mm-hmm. earlier in the week. Um, and this has just been such a crazy extension week. Obviously, Mike Trout, the big one. Um, do you, from from where we sit right now to um, when DeGrom first spoke on the matter and first kind of said, I'll have to talk to my agents about the idea of sitting out or innings limits, do you get the sense that it is more optimistic today than it was then? Yes, I do. That Yes. I, I, they've been pretty good. All sides have been pretty good about keeping the details of these talks under wraps for the spring. But these, they are ongoing. Uh, they, I, I'm just catching a vibe that there's a pretty decent chance, really decent chance, that he gets his contract before uh, next Thursday. What, what change? What adds optimism? Do you think that's um... the fact that they're still talking? Right, but truly. So you just think that. A length of time, two sides discussing things, I, is why well, we we could actually see an extension. Well, that and and I, and I've heard uh, words like frustration like earlier, and those distraction, are not, and those are not being said at all anymore. Uh, also, just so I've obviously tra- talking to as many people as I can. No one knows if a deal is going to actually get done, but sources who were skeptical that a deal would get done are now less skeptical. Do so you, it's more than just that they're talking. It's what I'm hearing about the talks. I don't have, and nobody has, here was the offer, here was the counter, here's where they're at, da, 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 da. It could happen. when is it going to happen? But, but I, definitely, people who told me, like, it, it, it was a long shot, 
five weeks ago. Do not feel that way right now. You are it's a sounding, little newsy, right? Yeah. You are sounding also like a reporter who's trying to figure out what's on the record and what's off. Of in course. Well, that's every Is day. that what's happening? <laughs> every day. But I'm also just trying to be accurate. Yeah. No, I mean, to an extent, uh, pretty much everything I've been told about this is fairly off the record. Be, uh, but I truly, no. Like, in this case, I really, I want to say, I don't want to imply that, that I, you know I, a ton. I don't know the the play-by-play of this negotiation. I have good sources on all sides, and those sources are saying there's no point of us telling you right now what what every step. That's fairly common for a negotiation. If you really look at how we all cover this game, uh, uh, someone like a Ken Rosenthal or a Jeff Pastor, it's like we very rarely get to know like every like we right. know when something's close, and so that's what we're trying to make sure that we're on top of. But uh, unless someone's pissed off, which DeGrom's side was pissed off at one point. Then you, you know, <laughs> when someone's mad, you know a little more. Same thing with if it's the Mets side. Uh, right now, even the relative silence tells me that things are going okay. Yeah. It's a vibe. What's funny is that I was just thinking about the fact, and I wonder if, like, the average baseball fan thinks about this. Not that you guys are disingenuous. It's just the nature of your job. But every time you listen to mm-hmm. you or Jeff Passan or Ken Rosenthal on TV, you're, there are things that person knows that they are not telling you. Yeah, but it's But my, that's the nature of it is, your but job. Not to get too J-school about this, but it is my <laughs> role. I'm, I'm working for, for the audience. Right. I, my, my role is to get information, bring it to you. Everything so, you have off the record is for a reason to potentially yeah, give the yeah. reader something. And... I, if I knew something really interesting about this negotiation, I, I would be my job to tell you. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. I'm not pressing yeah. you. No, I know you're not. I don't I, think there's anything I'm that you saying know to that the you're audience, not I'm not hiding that they've made a five year, $130 million offer right. into ground counter with 150 I, I, I don't know anything like that. And I would be surprised if any reporter does. And if you do, and you're out there and you're a reporter, Tell us. Yeah, that's... I don't know. I just know that I have a feeling like it's going pretty well. Do you think uh, DeGrom is the only extension the Mets are even thinking about? I know that it is. Unless something's changed since I asked, like, mid-spring training. Because the hot topic right now is, you know, Eloy Jimenez, guys like that. Or you would call him Eloy Jimenez. No, it's a J. The other guy's a G. So the G G is what? Jimenez. Um. So, I don't know. You could try and equate it to Michael Conforto, Ahmed Rosario. Like, do the Mets just want to... Actually, Alonzo is the comp because he has never played in the big leagues. See, the thing is that Alonzo is the comp, and Max, who's producing this podcast, asked me about Alonzo, and I was like, no shot should the Mets do that. Because it's like, yeah, Alonzo can hit, but, like, there's so much you don't know. Even though I I guess the White Sox say the same thing about him. Yeah, but he is... Jimenez is a uber prospect. That doesn't mean he's going to work out, but he is an uber, uber prospect. Pete Alonso is a good, really good prospect. He's not, he may have a great career, but he's not at that level of perception right now of that. Good. Right. Plus, he's a power-hitting first baseman, which is not as valuable uh, as some other positions. And there's a lot there. Uh, and just the Mets have not yet, maybe Brody, Brody's changing the way they do business in a lot of ways. Maybe he will eventually change the Mets' business model about extensions, but it's not something they do a whole lot. 
hasn't been historically. So they, in, in my era covering the team, it was early Wright and Reyes, which is before I actually got into the business, and then uh, Nice and Ligaris. And that's it, right? I'm not, I think that's it. Yeah. Well, Adam Fisher brought up John Singleton on the show last right. night, which is also an Alonzo comp, power-hitting first baseman, who I think was making like $2 million a year. I think it was the base of five years, $10 million, and he could earn up to 30 if he started playing well and made the big leagues. The problem with Pete Alonso is, let's say he gets called up to the big leagues, and let's say for some reason, regular season big league pitching, he just, he's a different hitter. I don't think that's the case because he's seen a lot of it in spring training. He's not, it's not like you could say, okay, but he plays great defense. Like, I've, across town, Greg Bird, even when Greg Bird's not hitting, he's a, a good defensive first baseman. Right. Pete Alonso would be a risky extension because if, if it turns out he can't hit big league hitting, that's, that's what you are hoping he can do. Yeah. Because yeah. if he can hit, you can live with the defense. But you're not going to put Pete Alonso in the game in, in the eighth inning for as a defensive There's replacement. a reason why Jimenez at $42 million, I think, is the most guaranteed money ever to a guy who hasn't played in the big leagues. Because it is a big – Greg Bird would have been as sure a bet as you could have thought you had. And thank God for the Yankees, they never gave him money. Yeah. As we close out this podcast, I have to admit that I was actually hoping that, like, I got sick or, like, we couldn't tape this week. Because you had a bad, because you had a boring Saturday? No, it's just, it, no, it was a fantastic Saturday. It's just, I'm typecast into this, like, so, this is all I do. So you had, what do you think you, I did? You had a burger at the Corner Bistro with a good buddy. No, you keep saying <laughs> Corner Bistro. I think I was there once. Yeah, but it's the type of thing you do. No, no, this this the most frequent Saturday night is is not a burger with my buddy. It's what? it is home eating dinner with my parents. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, that was a miss by me. Yes, you are cooking dinner for your parents, or having a burger with one friend, or am I allowed to say visiting your girlfriend in California? Yeah, you're allowed to say that. We've talked about. That. Uh, so which is where where I'll be this week? Which is so that's glamour. I will give you that. Mr. Red Eye, like, let's go see the girlfriend on the other coast. That ain't bad. No, it's not bad. Um, and so next week I'll have something. Uh, but this week, yeah, I went home. Had I mean, I shouldn't really be giving you a hard time for this because I don't always deliver either. And I'm pretty What did you do Saturday I'm pretty night? sure in this case, you know, I actually don't remember, which isn't a good sign. I may have. Oh, my wife went to a. Um, oh, okay. So we're pretty. We're pretty exciting people. My wife went to a, a, a book club, uh, and I took my son to a um, sports bar, and we had wings, and talked, and uh, <laughs> then I put him to bed. And then I watched, oh my God, then I watched uh, uh, Abducted in Plain Sight. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh boy. Abducted in Plain Sight. <laughs> is some of the worst parenting you will ever hear about. Oh my God! And, oh, so but many also, things. I, I didn't. I didn't particularly think that was very good. It was just, it just ridiculous, it, and then it's over. Fair enough. I appreciate there wasn't like seven parts, like yeah. all these unnecessary streaming series are when they yeah. could be like. But so that, and then I'm, I'm, I, I read a. Then I couldn't sleep after, so my wife still wasn't home. So I read a biography of Elvis. You know, I have that big Elvis cardboard cutout in my. I would say living room. Yes. You have... I love Elvis. There's one thing, a couple things in common with most of your Saturday nights. Mm -hmm. A lot of them involve uh, music or books. 
Okay, yeah. You're, I like those things. Yeah, you like those things. And a lot of hanging with your son, which makes total sense because... Don't get enough time with him in the week. if on a Saturday you just ignored him. If we have BNNY and I get home halfway through bedtime, got to hang out on Saturday. Right. So, yeah. We're, look, we're both doing what we probably should be doing. We're hanging out with our loved ones and our family. And if we weren't, dear listeners, we probably wouldn't be telling you. You would actually enjoy this. Um... Uh, one of our PAs, Anna, yesterday said, you seem like, we were talking about coffee, she had just gone to Starbucks. She said, you seem like the type of guy who isn't grown up enough to like have kids or actual responsibilities, but is grown up enough to brew his own coffee. And I was like, you that nailed, nailed it. it. Wow. That is that is basically the level very of astute. maturity that I'm at. That's very astute. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so that's, that's where I'm at. Hang out with my parents on weekends, brew my own coffee during the week. And, um, yeah. That's but that. you're drapering this weekend. Well, no, you're with someone. It's not drapering. Well, Draper did in seasons six and seven go out to California to, uh, see Megan where she was an actress. That is not my situation. Ooh. I don't have like a side girl in New Ooh. York like Don did. Don had, Don was <laughs> cheating on Megan mm-hmm. with a woman in their apartment building. Don was not very mature. Don it was seemed a bad, very glamorous early bad on. Guy. It, well, yeah, yeah. It Troubled. Seemed, it seemed very glamorous Troubled early past. on, and by the time he hit his forties, it was just sad. Next week we know. should just do Love Actually and Mad Men. No Mets. Isn't that what we just did? Yeah, I think so. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Again, if you haven't subscribed, please do. It's the Shane Inning Podcast. Uh, give us a rate and review. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.